Hey, St. Paul, Happy New Year, and welcome to episode 19 on our podcast of the work of the Holy Spirit. Emily, welcome back, and um, Happy New Year. I feel like we could have worked those numbers better. (laughs) Yeah. What numbers are you referring to? I feel like we should have started like on 20 or 21. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wouldn't that have been great? Yeah, we're two years behind. We should have thought ahead a little bit. (laughs) We didn't. You're starting to sound like my my mother. (laughs) (laughs) We do welcome you who are joining us. Um, You might be joining us in a year that's far beyond 2021. We are so glad that you are visiting us and that you're connecting with us on this podcast. Whether you are uh, seeing that or being a part of that through uh, Amazon or Stitcher or Spotify or iTunes and whatever might be available in the future, who knows? <laughs> That's a weird thought to think about, John. <laughs> our, our voices are being recorded. Talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, man. We could never in our own strength, imagine all that God will, can do for his kingdom through ordinary means, like talking around a table. That's right. That blows your mind, <laughs> it doesn't does. it? I can't even think about that. <laughs> I think about the last couple times that have have been so real to me that, man, I look back in the rearview mirror of my life and I think, oh my goodness, there is no doubt that God orchestrated this together. That's right. Of all the people that were involved to bring this certain thing to fruition, they weren't in cahoots. The only one that was in cahoots was God. That's right. God was in cahoots. Um, I was telling Emily, I was sharing with her before we started recording that many times God puts these intersections in our lives and they build upon each other. I had a phone call from a lovely uh, woman in our church who just called to say, look, John, I got one word for you, trust, trust. And we had been, Emily and I had been talking about God's love and God's motivation, somewhat that where we want to go. And through that, that word that she gave me, trust, trust, and popped in my head, The Holy Spirit, I believe, allowed me to think about it in this perspective. If we are told or encouraged to trust God, we will only trust God to the level that we know that he loves us. And I think that's so important. And then another intersection two weeks ago, a gentleman at a Bible study said, hey, um, you mentioned R.C. Sproul. I have a bunch of CDs, audio CDs that I don't use anymore. And I, he said, would you like them? And I said, oh my goodness, yes, yes, absolutely. And um, yesterday he brought them to me in a bag and I thought there was going to be one or two. I'm talking a <laughs> grocery bag, you know, of them. And, and I got in my car and I was about to start driving home. And usually when I get in my car, I put on an audio book of a thriller um, I like espionage and spy novels and those kind of things. And I have a 20 minute drive home and I'm thinking this is going to be good to get through the chapter I'm in. But I pull out one of those CDs and the first CD that's right on top is in a box that says, who is the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and so there's another intersection and we, I listen to it. It's phenomenal. We're going to talk about it a little bit today. And then um, anyways, all of these things these folks were not in cahoots. God is in cahoots. God <laughs> is uh, is working through the lives of other people. How have you seen that? 
oh, to be in cahoots with the Lord. <laughs> Isn't that, shouldn't that always be my goal? There's a sermon title in that. <laughs> I don't even know how to spell cahoot. <laughs> I think you, it's K, actually, it? K-A. Yeah. There's a game. There's a game that the kids play. It's a school game. Um called Kahoot, and it's a study tool that they use, and so that's what I think of. <laughs> and they, I think that's spelled K-A. But there's a, such a, a nefarious and malicious feeling to Kahoot that someone is <laughs> is out to get you. I don't think that's the thing that I'm referring to. <laughs> no, but I I disagree with you <laughs> because I'm more. you're more of a mystery and science and logical person. I'm more of a, huh, that sounds fun. So, <laughs> or okay, I believe you, you know. Um, I don't need you to prove it. I I got what you're saying. So, um so but so to me cahoot sounds fun and entertaining. <laughs> There you go. I'm sure God's like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Emily, for referring see to me as fun the and entertaining. Brow being wiped and saying, whew. <laughs> oh, Lord. But have Thank you seen you. have you seen the and I'm using air quotes, the cahooting of God <laughs> in your life recently? Always. Always. Whether I recognize it at the time or not, like you were saying, looking in the rearview mirror and seeing the Holy Spirit waving at you like, hey, yeah, that was me. Um, you know, it, it's always there. And I, and I become more aware of it, though, when all things, when the things start to line up. And um, just things that I've read, and then it's like someone else says it, and you're like, oh, my gosh, get out of my brain. That is exactly what I was just thinking about this morning. Or, you know, the way that this study and that study kind of overlap, and what you see and what you hear and um, all the truths that all of a sudden they're all about the same thing. You see it through the lens of like, I've been reading and thinking a lot about grace and a lot about what that grace should empower us to do. Um, how we should live out that grace as being the recipients of such unfathomable grace from the Lord. And, it's different when you look at it through different lenses. So having that, you know, just seeing the songs that I've listened to and go, oh, look, that relates too. Or here's this verse and look, this book isn't even about this, but look, this kind of has this theme in there as well. It's been really interesting to kind of see how they've all kind of overlapped at this point for grace and righteousness and uh, our walk with the Lord and, and how we live that out and show it and be a city on a hill. I truly believe, Emily, and I know you do too, that this is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives yeah. by doing this, by allowing these to happen, by bringing to recognition these things that are happening all around us. And it seems to me that through the tenor of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, this is how it has been ordained or decided that it would happen from the very beginning, that this would be the role of the Holy Spirit. Although we see the Spirit, Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, we've talked about before that relationship of our triune God between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's Paul who says in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Look, we, we understand, okay, the love of God, uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what in the world does fellowship mean? Who is this Holy Spirit that is now the communicator? 
the one who, uh, what does it mean when it comes to fellowship? And uh, I think that there is this this growing urgency inside of me as I see these intersections in my life to recognize that that is God communicating, the triune God. That's that's the, the creator, the one who spoke in creation, leapt into existence. That's the one who is communicating with me through his Holy Spirit. So fellowship, communication, I mean, there is something so very sobering and yet exciting about that. I think Paul could have said, and may you be in cahoots with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, <don't... laughs> I really think that in this instance, fellowship and cahoots could be... The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God in the cahoots. <laughs> <laughs> may you be in cahoots with the Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness. Okay, Peter may have said that. But yeah, not Paul. Paul. Probably not, but Peter maybe. <laughs> John, definitely not. No, he would have been. <laughs> he would have looked down at that choice yeah, of words. Yeah, he said, no, that's not proper. <laughs> oh, now that's all I can think about. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be very um, inviting to just kind of look once again at the beginning of this new year, the idea of who is that Holy Spirit? In all of this that we we see and as we let unfold, we see a motivation of God. I mean, can you speak about God's motivation for a moment and just kind of share with us what is it if we had to zero in on why God does what he does when it comes to creation and redemption and sustenance, the work of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what motivates him to do that? Well, I think this is a good time to look at that because, you know, at the beginning of each year, we want to look at intentions and what our resolutions are going to be and what we're going to strive to do. Uh, we look at it as a clean slate and a time to start over and a time to get going and let let me be better at this. Um, and what we've painfully realized during the global pandemic is, guess what? It's more of the same. <laughs> 2021 is starting off as much, just as much as the way 2020 ended, um, with different twists and turns thrown in for good measure. And, and I think, too, that we think that the United States, we feel like the world centers around us and what's going on here and what's going on in our lives, or it, not only as Americans, but maybe people in general, we always think that everything is centered around what we are and what we do and what faces us and what we come in contact with. And it really doesn't have anything to do with us. <laughs> it's not. It's, That's sobering. Yeah, it's not about us. It's not about this, that or the other. It's about, you know, God's timing and his plan and his sovereignty. And so when you go back and you look at, okay, well, what is my purpose and what is my, what am I supposed to be doing? And when you dig into that and you really think, when you really start looking for what's God's will in my life, what's my purpose, what am I supposed to be doing? The answer is actually pretty simple and it can be summed up in your purpose and your role in life, your time on earth is to bring glory to the Lord. That's what you're supposed to do. 
Now, the means that you do that will vary, and yeah, now that's the question. We shouldn't be asking, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? What is my motivation? What is my, what is the point? What role am I supposed to play? The answer is, you're to bring glory to me. So maybe our question should be more like, how, Lord, how am I going to bring glory to you today? How are the decisions that I make right now going to bring glory to you? Um, clearly we all need to ask, do a better job of asking that question, (laughs) but, but looking at, at creation and why we existed, I found these notes in this, um, Bible that were, that were interesting to me. Um, it's the, here, I'll tell y'all, it's the cultural background study Bible, bringing to life the ancient world of scripture. And it, yeah, it has the Bible in it. It's the new King James version. Yeah, it has the scripture involved, but it also has these little tidbits of things and, and things that I read that that I wanted to, to kind of talk about because it's it's interesting because it says we were created to bring order, to have dominion over the earth, because in the ancient world, something existed when it had a function or a role to play. And then I saw on this other, one of the other notes says, you know, the biblical view is similar as people were created in the image of God, embodying his qualities and doing his work. They are symbols of his presence and act on his behalf as his representatives. The two words used in the text differ in nuance. Image refers to the something that contains the essence of something else, while likeness is more connected to substance, expressing a resemblance at some level. And so if we look at it as we're representatives and that we were created because there was a function that we needed to do, it kind of gives our lives way more importance and really kind of makes you go, oh, well, what is it? What, 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 what was that function that I was specifically created to do? And we think that we only hear about this creation, really, when you want to talk about it. You've got to go back to Genesis, and it's all in there. That's where you talk about creation. But it is everywhere. It's all the way throughout Scripture, and especially Paul. Paul really gets into the creation aspect. I mean, I was going through writing some verses down, and they're all in Second Corinthians. <laughs> So, I mean, there's lots of things of Paul saying, hey, this is why you were created. This is what you're supposed to look be looking for and what you're supposed to be doing. So I think God's motivation in creating us was getting a job done, was saying, hey, your job is to tell people about me and, and to that, bring and that glory. Brings, that brings glory. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you speak about Paul, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. for you are now a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And in that process of the old being gone and the new coming, you see that you have a new vantage point as a new creation. Paul says in uh, Ephesians, you remember the day that you were walking in your trespasses. He brings to memory, this is how you were. This is how this is how it was. And now this this creative power that just doesn't happen back in Genesis one and two, you you see it throughout creation. You see David in Psalm 51 after a demoralizing and shameful and embarrassing event that was brought. You know, when he found out that Nathan knew about it, the nation knew about it. He asked God, create in me a new heart, this creative power that continues to happen over and over again. 
And from that new vantage point, we get a better perspective of what it looks like to bring God glory. I, we start to start to see that before Christ, those who are looking outside, and especially Christians who have a non-Christian past that is very defined, they didn't grow up in a church, and they don't remember a time that they weren't in church, people who have a very a distinct difference between their non-Christian and Christian or their pre-Christian and Christian lives can see that that was, they refer to that time then before from that perspective as a new creation as empty, as formless, as not having purpose. Wow. And so we get this idea of, yes, we're created to glorify God, but there's this second part of the Westminster Catechism, that first, what is the chief end of humanity or of people is yes, to bring glory to God, but also to enjoy God forever. And so there's this, this communion that goes back to the Holy Spirit that, um, the triune God, who is this Holy Spirit? What does he do? And one of the functions that we see, and we'll kind of talk about is that he enables what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean for us right now? Imagine being one of the disciples in the upper room. Remember being in the upper room? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> we're one of the disciples in the upper room, and um, Judas just... You mean on our trip there, yes, not literally. Yes, not, <laughs> it took not, me a minute to go. Yeah, I yeah, thought you were kidding. Trip. Okay, okay. Okay, I got but you. I'm there now. <laughs> now you can start envisioning that... that <laughs> I'm with you now, sorry. ...farewell discourse in John <laughs> yeah. 13 through 17. That's... And you're there with Jesus, and Jesus is, is talking, and then all of a sudden... Um, Judas gets up and leaves the room and you can, and again, I'm, I might be putting a little bit more emotion and reading into it, but I'm projecting, (laughs) let me project a little bit. Okay. You can almost see that there is something that has lifted in the room. Okay. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and says to his disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. And then you nudge the guy next to you. Did Jesus just say it's to our advantage that he goes away? And then you're struck by the very next thing that he says. If I do not go away from you, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. Now, just ask yourself this question, those who are listening now. Would you rather have Jesus with you or have the Holy Spirit with you? Would you be rather be able to sit around a table with Jesus, see his expressions, see him wipe the sweat off his brow, see him play, I don't know, kickball, <laughs> be in cahoots with Jesus? <laughs> Would you rather see him, see his eyes, see his expressions, see You're his hands moving? I know. John. <laughs> Or would you rather have the Holy Spirit? And many of us think this is a dumb question because we would go to that place. We'd say, yes, I would love for Jesus to be here. But why did Jesus say it's to our advantage? Even though we think our advantage would be, wouldn't it be great to walk alongside of him? To have him as our our tag team, yeah. You know? To have those experiences firsthand, gosh, or, that would or be maybe awesome. Have, wouldn't it be great to have him on your basketball team? Yes, you know, be awesome. <laughs> Many of us think that that it's a stupid question. Of course, we'd pick Jesus, but why did Jesus say it's to our advantage? And because what we don't know about the Holy Spirit, 
we'd have no idea what Jesus meant, that this is to our benefit. I mean, you think about what God does through his Holy Spirit in us today. It is, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, kind of like the wind blowing, right? From here, you don't know where it's come from. You just see the effects of it, really, that's going on around us. And here you have, starting in Genesis and all through Scripture, you start having one of these rules of, of the importance of the Spirit of God being being described in Hebrew and in Greek and even in ours with this, this word that means wind and gale force or whatnot. And you think, okay, maybe this is what the writer of Genesis means when the Spirit of God in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was f- void and formless and did not have any form. And the Spirit of God hovered over the, uh, hovered over the waters so what is a spirit? Is this a wind or anything? But in the context of the Old Testament, this is not what the writers meant when they talked about the spirit of God as a force of wind. But it's always an expression of the power of God. It's an expression of that character of God. And we see that these are expressions of God, expressions of great effectiveness. I mean, th- think about the times that you use the word spirit. And I'm not talking about in our, maybe our creeds or when we read scripture, but have you ever gone up to someone and said, you visited someone or you saw someone, how was their spirit? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Do you mean that he, was he in a good spirit? Yeah. Was he in a depressed spirit? Yeah. Down in the dumps. Was he crotchety? (laughs) Was he in cahoots with somebody? <laughs> I'm sure getting mileage out of this, ain't I? Aren't I? Is it ain't or aren't? I'm Depends getting... on who you ask. <laughs> now all I can think of is a crotchety spirit. <laughs> when you ask that question, how was their spirit? How were they? What are we really asking? Their mood. Yes. Because their mood is their, that, that their spirit is that driving force in them. It's that driving force that people are exposed to that come in personal contact with that person. I think that this is true, Emily, with God. I think that that God's spirit is a way for him to personally express himself in a personal way as creator, redeemer, sustainer. Creator, redeemer, sustainer, the Holy Spirit is that drive, that expression of, of who he is. Um, our very smart pastor, Dr. Shane Green, sent me this text yesterday, not text, but this quote yesterday, on something completely unrelated, yet it, here again, matches perfectly with what we're talking today. And it, it says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until it finds its rest in thee. Um, and St. Augustine said that. And that idea of there is the place for that spirit, that he, we were created for that, that we were created to be a vessel for the spirit. That's why Jesus says, you want me to leave. You want me to go. You've only known me a little bit. You've just seen me right here. You've seen me right here, and you've, you've gotten to experience how I interact with people, and, and you've gotten to witness the miracles that I've performed. But it's better for you if I go. 
I mean, can you imagine when the Holy Spirit came to them after they had actually been in the presence with the Lord? They had been there with Jesus. And then in that room where the Spirit descended, can you imagine that feeling of, oh, I feel complete. Oh, my goodness. This is better. I do like this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that word. This is so much better. Um, and they are probably the the people that can or that could testify to that the most. Although, like you say, the people that have the distinct stories of who, you know, their life before Christ and their life after Christ, what that means to them, although they might be able to as well say, I can feel the the stark difference in the contrast. But that idea of finding and just feeling, oh, yes, yes, this is meant to be. And we've I've heard a lot of times, haven't you, that there's a God-sized hole in your heart that only God right. can fill, and you can try and put anything else in it, and it's never going to be the same. It's never going to fit. It's never going to accomplish what you want it to accomplish. So this heart that was created by him, for us, for him, that is just, I just, I just don't have any words for that. I think the picture of that Genesis 1 tube gives us kind of accentuates about that, why we were formed, why we were created, and that role of the Holy Spirit that was tapped into in the Old Testament, we see in the life of uh, early Gospels and the life of the Gospels, and that came to fruition and transformed the world at Pentecost, that picture of what Genesis tells us kind of accelerates that, kind of gives a beautiful image to that. We have Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2, Verse 2 says, now the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So this creative mass, if you will, time and space that God created with that verse 1, and God created the heavens and the earth, had no form, and it was void. Now, I'm trying to think in my mind a picture of something that's empty. And what I see is like silly putty that is being stretched (laughs) here and there and just kind of just nothing that is it's just kind of moving around a little bit. And there's there's nothing in silly putty unless you put it on a comic strip. Right. And you can kind of get an imprint of that and kind of look at it. But anyways, there's just nothing a part of it. It's there's no form. There's nothing in it. It's just just blank but there it, it's very chaotic picture yeah and there's the spirit of god that is hovering over this and then two things start to happen as the rest of that chapter unfolds god says let there be light and god through his voice creates and that which was shapeless now takes shape And that original creative mass starts to get formed from formless to being formed into something. And then what he does also is he allows that form to be filled, to have purpose. The trees, 
the shoreline, the firmament, all these things, they start to get purpose. They have form and they get purpose. Now think about our Christian life. Think about the work of the Holy Spirit. This, I truly believe that what we can't see and what the disciples couldn't see and what generations just get glimpses of is why it's our advantage, to our advantage, that Jesus left, that the Holy Spirit could come. Is because the Holy Spirit today, we post-Pentecost, we live into this in such a reality that Abraham, Moses, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Simeon, John the Baptist never were able to live into. He's hovering over the formlessness of our world, the chaos, and our minds can really go to chaos right now. Yeah. And he is still, still creating, still forming, still filling. Oh, he's in the chaos. He is. He and the chaos are in cahoots. Mm, He's in there. He's a part of it. He's watching it. It's not spinning out of his control. It's not chaos to him. Oh, that's an interesting way of saying it. It's not chaos to him. Because to him, it already has form and function. Right? To him, it's potential. Yeah. Gosh. That's what he thinks of when he looks at us. Potential. Uh-huh. So God's motivation. This is going to be great. Yeah. It's every time Katie Grace draws a picture and you, you can see it in her eyes. This is going to be the best picture ever. Yes. Mm. To her, it is, even though you don't understand what it is. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> can tell me about this drawing, baby. I think that is, I think we start to see the form, the filling, the function, but ultimately it all goes back to God being able to create a temple for where our spirit dwells with his spirit. Yeah. When we start to see the goodness, the power, the proximity, the character of God, And we start to live in such a way that while we were created, what brings him glory is us being in fellowship with him and enjoying him forever. And I can't, I am not blowing smoke up anybody's tailpipe by saying that, that it is always going to be blue skies and the birds are always going to sing. But there is something about a God that we serve that is not taken by surprise, that designed us for this communion, that that shape that's missing in us is filled. Man, there is something encouraging about that. Yes, we long for it. We long for that answer, that completeness, that understanding, that, okay. Because even if, I mean, Things are nuts. (laughs) I don't think we can really describe it as anything else. This world in our current time is nuts. It's bonkers. And I'm sure it it has been bonkers before. I'm sure that it's been nutty, you know, off the chain before. But to be able to say, God, this is awful. And I'm really upset by this. This set of events has really just shaken my faith, shaken everything in me. Like, I don't know where to go from here. But to sit back and go, well, God's still working. 
there's got to be a point for all of this and I don't understand it, and I may not even like it, and this may hurt, and this may be a struggle, and I may not get the answers that I want, and this may not work out in the way that I would like for it to, but I got to just say, well, surely God knows what he's doing. And God loves me. Yes, and that he sees that potential in me. Well, and it was like, um, and seeing that potential— you know, we're, we're created with specific form and function, as we've already talked about. And in Psalm 139, it says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he knit us together. That is very specific. I'm not a knitter or a embroiderer or a cross stitch or needlepoint kind of person, but that's a pretty, and I'm not that because it's pretty specific. (laughs) It takes a lot of time and sitting and paying attention because I've tried sewing once and I'm not good at it because it has to be exact. I mean, if you're off just a little bit, it changes the whole garment. You have to start over. So for those words to be used to describe how we were created makes you really realize that how we are created, even with our imperfections and our flaws, even with all of those things, there is a purpose. And it reminds me of the story in John where the man that was born blind and the, and the disciples say, Rabbi, who, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus says, no one sinned. He has this life. He was born blind so that his life would tell my story. Here's that bringing glory Because we look at people that, you know, my son who had a brain tumor when he was two, that looks like that's a mistake. God certainly has made a mistake. That couldn't have been on purpose because what kind of God would do that? What kind of God would give a child such a devastating thing that not only wreaks havoc on his life, but that of his parents? Amen. Amen. (laughs) You know, how does that, how could that be? the plan of this loving, caring, gracious father. But there is one. There is one. And even Bo, as he has, you know, grown in, he and he has told me just, just so you all know that I'm not talking out of turn or telling his story. He has told me recently that I can talk about him anytime I want. So there's that. Because sometimes I feel guilty about it. But recently, the way that he has just in a few specific instances been able to talk to somebody and say, hey, I had a brain tumor. I'm fine. <laughs> and giving them hope and giving, giving them like a, oh, okay, just a minute of respite from the worry that this kid's okay. He, he had it when he was two. And now, look, he's 17 and he's sitting here saying, hey, I'm okay. It's going to be fine. I mean, gosh. There in of itself is that is a reason. And personally, without him and without that story, I wouldn't be who I am today. I would not be where I am. I would not have the faith and the trust that I do now. I would not be able to say, okay, God, I don't like this, but fine. I'm coming along kicking and screaming, but I got to trust that you have some kind of plan that this is going to all work towards. And we accept that and we live into that. I don't, I don't like the word accept as much because I don't think accept means that we resign uh, in resignation. 
But we live into that because we know and we're convinced without a shadow of a doubt that God loves us. Yes. From the very beginning, creation was centered around nothingness, going to chaos without void. And then very specifically and beautifully, it's brought into form. And then the very final thing, that celebration, let us create mankind or humanity in our image to be a reflection of who we are. And that's, that's the beauty of bringing glory to God of this story and being able to enjoy him. Yeah. I like the phrase lean in. Lean in. And then I read something. I don't remember where I read it, but the phrase was kiss the waves. As these waves come crashing towards you and you feel like they're going to overtake you and drag you and beat you up, you can lean in and just kiss the waves. And I know that sounds weird, but look at it that way as you're accepting and inviting and saying, okay, I'm leaning in. I'm going to put my face in this wave. It's going to hit me regardless. I'm going to go in it head first and know that there's a purpose and that God sees potential. And, And that should be encouraging, too, that God sees potential in you. Whoever you are that's listening to this right now, whenever it may be, God sees potential in you. He did not make a mistake when he created you. He didn't look away for a minute. God saw potential in you and thought, the world needs this person with this set of strengths and weaknesses. And I have a specific path for them. And I have a specific story for them to tell. And that story will give hope and give help to somebody else. You are not a mistake. And God sees potential in you. Amen. I think the only expected response is trust. If you're looking from the outside in, just know that God does love you. Through a simple prayer, you can be, as Paul described, a new creation, where the old is gone and the new has come. If you'd like to do that, simply uh, praying that prayer that says, Father, I am a sinner and I can't do it on my own. I can't be righteous in your eyes. I can't pray enough, give enough, serve enough do enough good things to earn my place at your table. But thankfully, through the gift of your son and the completed work on the cross and his resurrection, I can have that place at your table through his grace. Come into my life today. What we believe is that that simple prayer opens up a doorway that we've been pushing back on And it allows us, as Emily says, to lean into what God is doing all around us. And I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, there will be intersections in your life where God will affirm, where God will bring you into a community of of believers to learn more about what it means to live into this fellowship through the Holy Spirit. Certainly, also, we would love to hear from you. If you've made a decision or prayed a prayer like that, 
um, reach out to us. You can reach out to us uh, in our show notes. We do have our um, email address, podcast at spumccolumbus.com. We'd love to hear from, from you. And until we meet uh, again, and uh, I want you just to hear that same benediction that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.